Ah, soft day, soft day, soft day, so it is. Pulling the devil by the tail, I be. How are you doing this Thursday? It's uh, the 31st of March, 2022. I'm Richie Allen. Welcome to the programme. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. damn right. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Indeed. Now, you might like to comment during the program. If you're not inclined to phone me or Skype me, you can reach me through richieallen.co.uk. I hope you will phone me or Skype me. But if you just like to leave a comment, you can do so. You can chat amongst yourself. You can talk to yourself or chat with others on the website. It's uh, the last live show of the week. It's your Richie Allen show with your BBG live from BBG Towers in Salford. In around about 30 minutes time, I will be taking your phone calls. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Don't talk to me now. Don't talk to me now. Talk to me when I tell you to talk to me or when I ask you to talk to me. I couldn't give a shite if you talk to me or not. I jest. Please talk to me. Make it easy on me. From around about 5 30 or there. About If you didn't catch the jingle, the details are on the Facebook page. That is facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. They're also on richieallen.co.uk. Winter has returned to the United Kingdom. God, it's cold outside, isn't it? It's colder than a witch's teat. Snow on March 31st in UK. It did snow. It snowed. When I was running this morning, it must be global warming. They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? It's the weather, you prissy, pigtailed purveyor of puerile piss. It's the weather, is what it is. Sometimes it's cold, like, and sometimes it's warm. It depends on sun, you know. Honest to God, I'm not going to bring you the audio because I won't depress you, but, yeah, they were talking about the old... Global warming today because it's snow. <laughs> anyway, Labour has a new slogan. The Labour Party was in Bury today, not too far from Salford. Angela Rayner was there. You know Angela Rayner, the scum, the Tories are scum. She was there. And Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party. The slogan is Shiite shite. It's shit, shite and shiite. The slogan for the Labour Party going forward is, wait for it, on your side. Sure you are, of course. Yeah, if you're speaking to Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and their 
band of merry tyrants. It does work as a slogan on your side, but as for the rest of us, ah, four minutes past the hour. Hey, listen, free tests are over tomorrow. They're over for the majority of people. Some people will still be able to access free tests to test themselves for COVID because suffering gobshites, and there are many of them, they are legion, continue to test themselves to see if they have the COVID to determine whether they should mingle with their friends and family and go to work. This continues, but it's over tomorrow and some people, well, they ain't happy. Let's hear Sky News, Sarah Jane, me this afternoon. Free lateral flow tests for people without COVID symptoms are going to come to an end tomorrow. The Health Secretary says COVID will start to be treated like other respiratory infections, but free tests are still going to be made available to certain groups. These include hospital patients who have symptoms of COVID, people with symptoms who are at risk of severe COVID, some workers or residents of high-risk settings who have symptoms. This includes some care home and hospice staff and residents, NHS workers and prison staff. It also includes some NHS and social care staff who will continue to get free tests when they don't have symptoms, but when infection rates are high. Now, you heard all of that. Good, 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 good. Now, a reporter joined Sarah Jane from a pharmacy and he was stood next to a pharmacist. Now, not happy, the tests are no longer free. It's Ivor Bennett, I believe, live from a pharmacy with a pharmacist. We've seen a lot of people coming coming in here this morning asking for tests, including the driver of an ambulance who's been travelling around Surrey all morning trying to get hold of tests, but she, along with everyone else, has had to leave here empty-handed because the pharmacy itself doesn't have any tests either, and they haven't had any for the whole of the last month. Let's speak to Patricia, who works here. Patricia, um, it's not just today that demand has been high for these free tests, um, but the rest of the month, hasn't it? What's it been like? It has. It's been really hard. We get a lot of phone calls daily asking for uh, flow tests, but we can only tell them we, we don't have them. How many um, phone calls? A good 30 a day. I mean, in a matter of an hour, we had five this morning before we'd even started. Um, so it's it's a real concern because people don't know where to source them from. It must be frustrating for you as well, not being able to help your customers. Just before we find out if Patricia is frustrated at not being able to find the lateral flow tests for the customers, did you catch that bit at the start? Did you? We've seen a lot of people coming coming in here this morning asking for tests, including the driver of an ambulance who's been travelling around Surrey all morning trying to get hold of tests, but she, along with everyone else, has had to leave here empty-handed. Oh, I can see the inquest now. Why did Mr Hughes... Why was Mr Hughes unable to get a, an ambulance to come to him in Surrey on the evening of March 31st, 2022? Well, Alison, who drives the ambulance, was driving around Surrey looking for COVID tests on the free for herself so that she could test herself. You can close the inquest now. That's just crazy, isn't it? Ambulance drivers running in and out of pharmacies. Have you got any free COVID tests, have you? Jesus. Anyway, Patricia, how frustrated are you? 
that you can't source the tests. It's very frustrating because obviously we know, working in the industry, that people are walking around with the COVID infection. They're walking around with the COVID infection, walking time bombs, yes? Um, trying to get the tests to, to, to provide, provide the information they need um, <laughs> so they can self-isolate. Well, there's nothing fucking wrong with them, Patricia. You've got people walking around asking you for a free test and there's nothing wrong with them. They can protect other people, but without the tests, they can't do that. Unbelievable. Why do you want to test? Well, I don't know if I have the COVID. There's nothing wrong with you. I know, but I could have the bug and I might pass it on to someone else and they might die. Okay. It's not just the customers who are after them, it's also you and your colleagues, isn't it? How do you feel about yeah. the lack of free tests? Well, this is my concern because obviously if we're unwell, then we're unable to come and help the, the vulnerable that need our help. When it was locked down, we had to deliver all the medication. So but you, you, you do tend to know when you're unwell, don't you, Patricia? You don't need a lateral flow test to tell you if you're unwell. Do you mean to tell me? that you're perfectly fine, but you want to keep taking these tests anyway. You know? You, you get a negative, you get a positive test, you stay at home, you leave your shop short-handed, you can't get medicine to people. You can't really be saying this, really. So we need those tests right? to keep our staff and ourselves safe. We need to keep ourselves safe. We need the tests to keep us safe. You look all right to me, Patricia. You, you, she, temperature? No. If you coughed recently, no. No, you haven't, no. Runny nose, no. You look fairly robust, right? Do you want a test? You do. You do. You want a test anyway, right? And just finally, um, going forward, when you do get tests, you will be able to f um, sell them at, for approximately four or five pounds, I understand. But obviously, mm. um, that's quite expensive at the moment. It's, will people buy them, do you think? It's awfully expensive. I'm not sure about that, dear listener. I'm not sure that four or five pounds is awfully expensive. It is. It's ridiculous to spend a fiver on a test when there's nothing wrong with you. But, I don't know, so far down the rabbit hole of madness are many people. I think they'll find the money for these tests. What do you think? And people can't afford to. They're struggling with the prices going up with their energy bills. They're struggling with the price of food going up. Um, they only get a certain amount, a lot of people, weekly. So they have to budget. And to take £4 out of their budget is going to be a big whack. And also, there's more than one person in each family. So you would have to provide a test for each person in that family. So it will become too costly for them and they won't bother. Please God, they won't bother. Please God, because as soon as they stop bothering, this lunacy ends. Or does it? I don't know. You'll tell me no doubt when you phone me in a few minutes' time. They won't let it go, though. On the same programme this afternoon, Sarah Jane Me interviewed Dr Anthony Costello. Obviously, me being a Brit, said Anthony Costello. No such thing. Anthony Costello is his name. He's a professor of global health at Imperial College London. And he cannot believe that we're ending the free tests when there are four million cases of COVID in the UK. I mean, it's a staggering figure, four point, nearly 4.3 million people with the virus. We've had, in the last week, we've had um, 16,000 admissions, nearly 1,070 deaths. So, you know, when Matt Hancock comes on and says the pandemic is over, we have to take that with a pinch of salt. 
I mean, primary children and over 65 admissions are higher actually than the January 2022 peak. Really, she should have jumped in right there. Dr. Professor, you're saying primary school admissions for COVID are higher now than the January 2022 peak? Any evidence? Got some figures to hand, do you? Or are you just making it up as you go along? But no, Sarah Jane Me, just, well, just let him speak. And uh, there was a paper out actually yesterday that is interesting because it showed that 50% of ICU staff... Wait for this. A paper which came out yesterday. I didn't see this paper now, dear listener, and that vexes me. I, norm- I normally get a heads up when any academic publications are, well, published and released. So 50%, let's just skip back a little bit there now. 50% of ICU staff. Ah, but the frickin', the frickin', frick. Hang on, hang on. 50% of ICU staff who've looked after patients in winter surges uh, end up with some kind of functional impairment of, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Piss off. Piss off. She doesn't challenge that either. So you're telling me, are you, that half the people who worked in ICU dealing with COVID patients have PTSD, really, for doing their fucking job? Eh? No, no challenge, no challenge. Mr. Rendell challenges the call, the baseline, the ball bounced on the baseline. No, no challenge. God, no. He's out LBW, let's go upstairs. No, no, just let them make it up as they go along. Yeah, 50% of ICU workers now suffering from PTSD. Bullshit, yeah. So this is not a trivial infection. And, you know, we know about work and and schools and education. And then you've got long COVID, 1.5 million people suffering from long COVID. Bollocks. For many months, you know, from the ONS figures. So, you know, we're dealing with, as you say, a parallel universe because we're still in the epidemic phase. This is not endemic now. We're having, you know, we had the BA1, the Omicron BA1 surge. Right, and? As that came down, the BA2 kicked in. Which that, was, that was handy, wasn't it? We had the BA1, we had Omicron 1. And as that one came down, the BA2 kicked in. Which is a, a sister variant, if you like. A sister variant. <laughs> which is even more transmissible. We're yeah. actually now on our seventh wave. Our seventh fucking wave. And as Professor Witty has said... Oh, know, well, if Professor Witty says it, it must be true. You know, more variants will come. More variants and are on the way. at the moment, we're tracking about 50,000 deaths per year. So this is way beyond flu. This is not a cold. It's not a cold, Sarah Jane. It's not cold. And, and the idea that it's relentlessly going to get milder is another myth, because... Why, why, why is that? Um, historically, airborne pathogens when they become endemic in society, they tend to uh, become weaker and weaker as variants emerge, as the pathogen evolves itself historically. There has never been a single airborne pathogen which became endemic in society, which ever became worse as it basically diluted itself into, into new variants. Again, she doesn't challenge a word. 
Uh, it was just by chance that Omicron seems to be a bit milder, although, in fact, if you're unvaccinated, it's about the same as Delta in terms of its impact. Where's the blue fairy when you need her to tell this guy, you know, that every time you lie, a fairy keels over stone dead somewhere in the world? This guy is lying through his teeth and he's safe in the knowledge that he can say whatever he wants on live telly. No need to be concerned about getting tripped up or pulled apart by the presenter. No, you can say whatever you want. And yes, it's true that other coronaviruses are much milder like colds, but they may have had many decades to kind of get to that point. And, and then the final thing is that we've, we, you know, our vaccination rates have stalled. Um, one third of our population are not... The vaccination rates have stalled. You would be forgiven for thinking that the presenter has fainted in the studio or or has had to be taken out for some reason and that the guy is left all alone on the Skype. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You'd, you'd be forgiven for thinking there's nobody there but him. Boosted. And most children are not vaccinated. Thank God. Uh, and... You know, the, the other thing about it is that we know that the immunity from these <laughs> vaccines are actually waning. Waning. And on and on he went like that old ad for the electronics company, Ariston, and on and on and on. He could have kept going forever. And another thing, Sarah Jane, we know that by the time we get to the 26th variant of this, it'll start to kill even more people. And we know that if we don't start injecting fetuses with these vaccines tomorrow, the world will end one Tuesday in March in 2045. And another thing, Sarah Jane, and the bimbo in the studio is just nodding along like one of those nodding dogs that were very popular among car enthusiasts in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well not be there. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's a quick tune. More news when we come back. Taking your calls in less than 20 minutes, dear listener. Taking your calls in less than 20 minutes. Sprung dirge technique, you know. There's definitely not got anything to do with your four-sprung dirge technique there. That was a blur in Park Life on the Richie Allen Show. 20 minutes past five. It's Thursday's programme. It's your call. Very, very soon, I'll be taking your phone calls. If you don't have the details to hand, you can find them on richieallen.co.uk. You can find them on facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. I don't want your fucking life story either. Just a few minutes, right? Tell me what you're thinking. You, not Ukraine. Where are we going? Is this the end? Is this the end? <laughs> are these the end times? What's going to happen later this year? Uh, let me know. Talk to me. Talk to me. Don't give me your life story. If you do, you'll hear this. I order you to be quiet. And then you're gone. Right? Right? I order you to be quiet. And then you're out of there. I don't care about sensitivities today. I don't. I, I do, of course, I jest. Of course I do. I won't be rude and cut you off. You know I don't do that. But do consider others who might be trying to get through. If you've never phoned me before or Skyped me before, today's the time to do it. Now's, now's the day. Today's the day. It's now or never. Soft day. Soft day it is today. Cold day. Dishy 
Rishi Sunak, the billionaire Chancellor of the Exchequer, Goldman Sachs man in the heart of the UK government. You couldn't make it up if you tried. Um, he compared himself today to Joe Root, the beleaguered England Test cricket captain. Yeah. And he compared himself also to Will Smith, the actor. You might have heard of Will Smith recently. He gave uh, he gave Chris Rock a bit of a belt in the face. Well, they're never going to leave us uh, forget that, are they? It's Thursday today, and they're still going on about it. As bad as it was. Or was it bad? Anyway, Rishi Sunak says he understands how Will Smith felt because he finds it upsetting that his wife has faced criticism because she owns shares in a company that is based in Russia. Here's Dishy Rishi. Go on. Yeah, someone said, you know, Joe Root, Will Smith and me, not the best of weekends uh, for anyone. <laughs> on reflection, both both Will Smith and me having our wives attacked, but at least I didn't get up and, uh, and slap anybody, which is good. Well, you wouldn't be capable of it, you fucking wet blanket. Don't start with that shit. Do you feel uh, like it? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, look... It, it's. I know what people are going through is tough, and and that, that you wouldn't have the first idea what people are going through in this country. You've never had to worry a day in your life where your next meal is coming from. I have. I know the humiliation of having to borrow money from people in order to keep the fucking lights on, and I'm pretty sure that most of my listeners know that indignity too. You don't, you prick. Don't pretend you do. That's tough. But in terms of me, and you know, is it has it been a hard week? You know, people being critical of the media that that doesn't make it tough for me, right? And I think like it was tough in my job, the first few months, the first few days, the first few weeks I had this job. That was really really tough, trying to figure out what to do. Almost two years to the day, right mm-hmm. today. That what a liar! Like Rishi Sunak, all by himself comes up with fiscal policy for the UK like he isn't told what to do by his masters at Goldman Sachs and others. Like he's running the treasury all by himself. He'd have you believe that. We locked the country down. Mm-hmm. Those, you did. those were probably the hardest weeks, try to get that right. And, you know, I didn't get into this. That's not here anymore, this bastard, eh? I've had one today. That's Rishi Sunak there. It's richieallen.co.uk if you don't fancy speaking to me. Uh, to leave a comment, I look forward to reading them as we go along. I know I, I know you don't believe me. I, I can read your mind. You lying Baxter, Baldy. You'll get wrapped up in the calls. You won't stop for the comments. You're probably right. Alan says, wet blanket, yes. Uh, Scottish John says, did he say feed the pigeons? I remember the London... He did. I feed the, I feed the pigeons. I sometimes feed the sparrows too. It gives me a sense of enormous well-being, or it gives me an enormous sense of well-being, indeed. Uh, the London Evening Standard, says John, did a piece about the pigeons in Trafalgar Square. Apparently, someone noticed a decline in their number. Turned out a new, a few new Chinese restaurants had open, <laughs> opened in the vicinity of Trafalgar Square. Jesus, John, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit uh, xenophobic. It isn't really xenophobic. I remember about two years ago, this is, a, this is true, this was reported in the Manchester Evening News, you will have heard of the famous Curry Mile. It's not quite a mile, it's more like a kilometre, but it is a, an area of Rosholm, 
Rush home. I used to live there with the future Mrs. Allen back in 2003, 2004. And it's a, it's a restaurant, it's a stretch of restaurants beautifully lit up in the evenings. It's called the Curry Mile because there are about 30 to 40 restaurants serving food there. A couple of years ago, this is the gospel truth now, somebody, no, you might be eating your dinner. Ah, fake it. Somebody found a sack full of dead cats behind one of the restaurants. <laughs> Listen, I'm not laughing at the idea of cats perishing I love cats. I, I absolutely love cats. But, um, yeah. And I think the paper was accused of xenophobia at the time. Because obviously Rush Home, very heavily populated by Asian people. And Asian restaurateurs. Restaurateurs. Yeah. Craig says people don't learn, do they? We already know what happens with an overdependency on antibiotics. Superbugs like MRSA. What do people think will happen if they become overly reliant on vaccines? It's a good question. Chambala says, what a slur on people with actual PTSD. This is the Imperial College London professor. I'm disgusted and offended. I want to cancel that professor, whatever his name was, from culture. Dean says, I had the infection control team into the care home recently. They were very authoritarian in their approach. COVID has not gone, they said, said the Hitler from The Handmaid's Tale. It's almost like they were justifying their own job, says Dean. That's good. Chris says, Richie, is it people are just naturally obedient or are we gripped with mass formation psychosis? We might be, Chris. He says, stop testing and the scam evaporates. I will never forget what these bastards have done to our young people and to our elderly. Spot on. Paul says, sister variant sang in the style of five stars systematic. Remember that? 1986. I had a double tape when I was younger. The greatest hits of 1986 and System Addict by Five Star was on that bloody tape. As was Camouflage by Stan Ridgway, which I think I played on Sunday Morning Melodies one morning. Whoa, Camouflage. Things are never quite the way they seem. Indeed. Long agoraphobia. Rather than long COVID, says Alan. Joe Public uh, says, uh, no, no, that's not a comment to me. Okay, hi to Brambo. Pity there isn't a test for fuckwittery. Richard says, I think it's disgraceful there's no free stuff. He's referencing the lamentations of the media and pharmacists that free testing for most people is due to come to an end tomorrow. Pooch says, unfortunately, I have to provide a lateral flow test Whenever I enter the nursing home my father is in, it's driving me insane. But you're a big man, Pooch. I have great admiration for you. It must be a pain in the arse to take the test, knowing that this is nonsense, that you are being gaslit or gaslighted, but you do it for your old man, so I'm proud of you, pal. It's a stupid thing to be doing, but you do it anyway for the, for the greater good of, of, of your father. So well done. It's uh, 29 minutes past the year. Would you like to phone me then? Or could you not give an arse? Let me um, give you the contact details again. Please be brief now and keep others in mind, all right? 
it's your call. Skype, chat with Richie, or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And the details are on Facebook and on This is Seal, then talk to you after this, all right? Talk to me. This is Europe's, the world's most listened to independent news radio show. There's nothing like it. It's the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. That is music from Seal Crazy on the Richie Allen Show, taking your calls right now. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And we're kicking off with a call, I think, from Ireland. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Oh my God. The it's... ghost of Aburn haunts you, Richie Allen. Colin, how are you doing? <laughs> it's got to be. How I, are you? I reckon it's about two years since we spoke last. I reckon it's it was actually a, a year. It's a year this week. I think. Is it a year? Because I know? thought I, I thought it might have been at the outset of this scam, but it's it's more recent than that. Conicity, how are you? I'm okay. Do you know something? I was just thinking there to myself. Um, I was a young boy. It was 1989 in London. I was 19, and a young black chap came up to me one day in Notting Hill, and he told me he was going to be a sensation. He was a few years older than me. Anyway, his name was Seal. You're kidding. I mean, in a few years, he had become a sensation. You're right, because if you met him in 1989, which no doubt you did, within months or weeks of you meeting him, he did kill her with Adamski, which kind of launched him. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. The power of the dream. There's a wee memory for me, you know. And did he tell you that? um, Was he he that confident? Did he say to you, tell you what, pal, I'm going to be a star? Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I remember it was coming out of Notting Hill Tube Station. You know, but sure, in life, don't we all sort of get inclinations and perhaps visions sometimes, you know? We do, we do, but you know what? But but where we come from, those visions and ideas are knocked out of you and you're ridiculed for them. I remember when Mm -hmm. I was younger, I attempted to join a tennis club when I was 11 or 10. Anyway, it didn't go very well, but I was asked why. And I said, because I want to play tennis because I'll win Wimbledon one day. I was 11. It was a fantasy, right? But, um, but I was laughed at. Not just kind of like nice kind of laughing, like, you know, friendly, like derided, like ridiculed. That was the Irish way, ridiculed, rather than say, well, Jesus, you're six foot kind of one and you're only 11 and you're very quick. And, and uh, yeah, let's get you into the tennis club. You never know. Of course, I was never going to win Wimbledon. But we knock people back home, don't we? You might have won Wimbledon. Who knows? It still wouldn't <laughs> I it very see. much. I'm going to be honest, Richard. When I was a young man, I was an athlete. I, I, I like until I was 19. Uh, there's a guy called Williamson who beat Steve Cram at the Olympic Games in uh, 1980. But Cram went because he got injured, and Williamson never raced again. And you beat and that Cram guy. You beat the guy who beat Cram. Fantastic. I was that good. I was that good. I really was. No, um, I wouldn't go into it now, but a long time ago I was that good. But Let me ask you a few questions now, my friend, because I am going to move calls along quickly. Let me ask you a few yeah. quick-fire questions. So, health care professionals in our country, you're there, I'm here, want to re- want, want masks and stuff to be in- reintroduced. Is there any chance of that happening, do you think? Uh, whatever they say goes, you know that. I told you a year ago, it doesn't matter. 
Um, you know, this mass psychosis that they that became, I think, I uh, became a buzzword there with that professor from Austria. Very clever chap too. But I had explained that two years ago, and anyone with brain knew what that meant. It means you're just being told what to do, and they're going to drop a line and going to do it. Now, hopefully, that won't happen. But yeah, you could have the drop of a hammer. They just have to just suggest. And then everybody will mask up again. They'll take their scam, they make unemployment pay or whatever it is, and they'll just all become good obedient cogs in the system. How does it feel? Can you define how it can you attempt to to define how it feels to be surrounded by compliance? Because from you'll give a broader maybe understanding of how you feel about it. For me, it went from scary. It went from like genuine unease at watching people comply to disappointment and and then almost to indifference. How does it feel to be surrounded by people who will do exactly what they are told and when? Um, I'm looking out here in Dublin, it's really sunny and nice and uh, things have eased off very quickly and people, predominantly people, have got back to just living a normal life. The uh, masks are, maybe 10% are still wearing the masks. Um, so that gives me a bit of a hope. But there was no surprise. I mean, for me, like the pandemic, ironically and sadly, I've been saying for a long time, since I was young, I suppose, that um, all is not right with the world and people will conform because people are, people have money, worries and issues like that. Hey, so do I, you know, really. Yeah. But, um, the, you know, um, people just drop a line. So exactly as you feel, Richard, there's a sense of compassion and a sense of anger sometimes. But I've, I think I've learned to just just rise above it and just say whatever happens happens and the same with this by the way i've just very briefly you had um, a muslim scholar on yesterday and you know i would agree pretty much with the narratives that you and your callers go along with but we know that the ukraine invasion is an abhorrent act of war and negotiation beats um, weapons all day long and yeah you're right both, no, no matter no matter what the motivation no matter who's behind mm. it people are being blown to pieces or ordinary people, men and mm-hmm. women, soldiers, young men and women end up in the army. They don't expect to have to do that. I know, I know that sounds ridiculous, but they don't. They join the army. They don't expect to be committed to doing things like that. I suppose most of them probably expect they might be called to defend their country. They don't expect to yeah. be told to go to Ukraine, you know, shell cities and, you know, have fire returned upon you. You're right. It's abhorrent. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And it's a crime. I agree with you. And we know sanctions have never worked. Sanctions in Syria don't work. Sanctions in any country have never worked. Sanctions only hurt ordinary people, you know. Yeah. And um, and they hurt us too, don't they? I mean, you're sanctioning Russia, but look, look at look at look at petrol, look at diesel, look at your fuel bills. Fuel Honestly, bills. Richie, just look at the fuel bills through the USB bills. I've had people just like say to me, and um, you know, why am I phoning you? I'm phoning you just to say hello. You, your listeners, and I'll get off the air now. But well, no, I'm glad you very did. Very simply, I'm glad you I did. will be very honest. Um, a return to a return to the simple, good, loving, faithful life. I think I may have said a year ago. I do believe a return to prayer will get us all out of this, if if that way inclines. I wish more people perhaps wore, but I think people also are without without saying it out loud. You know, there's a lot of people still hold the hope for goodness, and you know, yeah. there's an awful lot of beauty in this world. They just don't bother their arses reported. No, know. or looking at it. It's there if you want to yeah. see it. Colm, great to speak with you. Thanks for that um, anecdote about Seal. That was brilliant. Cheers for that, buddy. And God it's bless true. you. true. 
hope the dog gets better and I'll move on God bless thanks, you thanks Colin you too mate God bless Sloan Tommel Colin there C-O-L-M by the way in case you're wondering uh, Bolly O'Clea in Dublin a really interesting bloke with a great backstory. haven't spoken to him for a year or thereabouts um, if you didn't understand what he meant by the dog the Monday evening we had to take the dog to the animal hospital she had to have stitches but it's like nothing happened. She's doing really well. Uh, the time is 18 minutes to the top of the hour. Mobile phone, we're going now. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello there, it's uh, Pedro. Hello, Pedro. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from the northeast. Lovely to speak with you, pal. Nice to meet you. Um, the floor is yours, Pedro. Go ahead. Uh, funny, well, I've got a bit of a shock there. I was, uh, I was just, uh, you know, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. I Appreciate your show when I found it. It was a great help. Um, I'm trying to think what I was going to say. Um, well, take your time, and thanks for saying that. I, I was uh, that. I was listening to it yesterday, but I didn't catch the whole show. And I've, you know, uh, I was listening to you talk about like social media. Yeah. And um, you know, like social media was a massive help for me. Um, I've heard other people say this because uh, you know, like in the north, like where I'm from in the northeast. And when I was at work, I worked all the way through, um, like all this crap. Uh, and it's funny because, like, you you know, like the algorithms and things like that, they keep you away from like what's actually going on in the UK. Yeah. So I was following a lot of the stuff that was happening in America before, like, it really hit the, you know, like with the the, the American election and things like that and the BLM and, you know, like, and I was I was learning about how to like try to find the truth is it if you would if you would say that by like following alternative media and trying to watch things live because it's like the only way you can really like track things in my opinion um so as far as you're concerned pedro it, it has been useful for you in terms of sourcing uh, information yeah 100 percent. i mean um when it comes to things like the masks i mean I, like you know like i think i'm not going to pretend that i knew everything that was going on and everything like that. And I went along with it, like some stuff because just because I'm a nice person, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. like obviously I had to, had to keep, keep like keep up with the Joneses for me job and things like that. So, but obviously also known from what I had been listening to with what you would call conspiracy shows for years, um, but not fully believing it, if that makes sense, you know, like always being interested, you know, like listening to, you know, like, like, people that had done like so much research, you know, like, and then getting struck off or like a, a big yeah. example was someone like Whitney Webb, um, who's on, I think is it the American Vagabond now? Right. For the last um, American Vagabond amongst other yeah, publications. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So like someone like her, she did so much like, um, investigations into like the Epstein thing and what have you. But, uh, I'll, I'll just get the street, like get more of the point. Cause, uh, well, you're, you're, this, this is really interesting. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. The, the point I was making, and I, I'm not going to belabor the point because it's your call, I want to hear what you have to say, mm -hmm. was, and I think Angela put a message on the website yesterday saying she found the social media very useful. The point I was trying mm -hmm. to make was, in terms of, yeah, yeah I, can, I can accept that, and you'll, you'll tell me more about it, no doubt, in a moment, but yeah. it, it, it does kind of, it does also suit the agenda in terms oh, of that it keeps you know it keeps people on there and if we're on yeah. there and we're talking yeah. about how crap everything is and if we're sharing yeah, stuff yeah. and all that what we're not doing I suppose 
is actually doing something about it. Now, it doesn't mean I'm right. That's just the kind of feeling I get about it, Pedro. So I feel about no, it. 100%. That's why, uh, that's, why I, that's, that's why I like your show, you know? Like, you, you know, like, um, we, we've all got our opinions and we're all just trying to try to get on, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but, you know, like, the good thing for you is, and this is, you know, this is like, you know, like a compliment because you get to reach such a big audience and you get to, you get the vex and you get to, you like, let people know what you're thinking. Um, you know, like me, me myself, like when I, when I started like, uh, so I'll just quickly, quickly finish off what I was going to say about the social media, because I think it's important. Um, you know, like, um, we all, like every, everybody just tries to push us all into like groups and things like that. You know, like we can't help it. That's just like the way the world is, you know, like, and you've talked about this many a times, but when I, I discovered this thing called, uh, it was Oracle Films. And it was like, when I first discovered the marches and before that. I didn't know any of this was going on. I, I didn't know like there was there was like uh, it was the first one that I really really followed was like the Million People March in London, and yeah. I was like, as you know, like I, I found a couple of groups that were like in London, and um, the, like I, I reached out to them and like thanked them because like I was you know like when I first watched this film called Pushback um, on Oracle Films, and it explained like you know who was the uh, Irish doctor that you had on. The other day, I uh, I can't even remember her name, Mikulski. Oh, Doctor Anne um, McCloskey, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, she she she's beautiful words, you know. Like, and I remember having a clip of of her that I found, like, you know, like really early on, and it was just like a maybe it was a five minute clip or something like that. And I would show the people in the go, oh, who's she? And you know, like I don't know who she is. I just love the words, you know. Like I'm I'm a person that likes to talk to strangers, if that makes sense. And um. You know, like when I when I discovered these marches and things like that, and I reached out to a couple of the groups that seemed to like be like, you know, like promoting them and things like that, and it was like, it was it was amazing, you know, because you you, you like you just realised that there was like, you know, I was one person, I fell out with loads of people, um, but I was you know like I, I, I was like, you know, a little bit timid about my views and things like that, but I I kept I kept my own mind. Because but then you found important. out. But then you found out that there are. Well, hundreds of thousands of people just yeah. just like yeah. us yeah. Who, who have these, yeah. you know, yeah. understandings uh, yeah. of what's happening. At the, at the time, I didn't know about your show. Like I said, I I, I listened to a show called. Uh, I don't want don't want don't want to promote things on your show. You, you can say I mean? whatever but, you want. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, it was uh, it's you know it's the tinfoil hat it's called and it's like a comedian called Sam Tripoli. And when they were going through all the stuff in America, they, a lot of them were like bound to Trump and things like that and. You know, they, they quickly realise that, like, you know, no one's coming to save her. That's what most people have said now. You know, and like they had to, like, they had to, like, t- swallow the, swallow the pride, and admit they were wrong. And I mean, that's a massive thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, that's my point. Ego. That's my point exactly. So I, yeah, I, I spoke about this with Gareth Ike on this program about four mm-hmm. months ago, and he talked mm-hmm. about the importance of the marches, the importance of mm-hmm. meeting people who understand what's going on. Because I was critical mm-hmm. of the marches only from the point of view that they won't change very much in terms of yeah. they won't change the agenda. The agenda will carry on mm-hmm. regardless. But I wasn't criticising people for going down there. I was just kind of saying what's next. So it's interesting to hear you say that. So I have no doubt that the marches are important for people to network, to meet other people. And also, you know, for 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 mental well-being, to realise that you're not on your own, you're not crazy. These things are really happening. But I'll tell you what, Pedro, something needs to happen then. Something else oh, needs to 100%, happen. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, like I say, I'm in the northeast. I've only been, 
I went to one march and it was it was uh, sometime last year, and it was it was just when they decided to uh, start giving the injections out. I think it was the under eighteen year olds or something like that, right. or or whatever. But I walked from where I live. I just went on my own, and uh, I had the idea to go and meet um, nice open minded people, you know. But as it happened, this this uh, I mean, I, I, it, it was only a small march. It was in it was in Newcastle, and uh, I got there just when the kettled um like the kettled the group of people and I, as I, like i mean i purposely didn't want to take me phone and put it on social media or anything like that i was just there for myself you know yeah but anyway i just walked up I, I seen that the police were there so i walked up the back of the like where it was and as i was walking along um as i as i was walking along to the to where they were I like crossed the road and pretended to like nip round the the barrier. And I looked and like there was just all the police walking towards us with dogs. And on that on that march, uh, the kettles were for two hours. Um, I mean, I was you know like it, it's funny because you would think you would be terrified in these situations, but I wasn't. But they literally they, they set the, like someone got a they set the dog on someone. I don't know if you ever heard about it, but it was like it was the back end of last year. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, and when you say yeah. you weren't um, scared, which is good, were you angry? And before you answer that, again for listeners who might not understand the term, kettling is when it's a tactic that's been used in recent years by police forces. Um, they surround a group of protesters and prevent them from leaving until the police are good and ready to allow them to leave. It's basically false imprisonment over a period of oh, an I mean, hour or two yeah. hours. So yeah. were you angry when this happened? or? Uh, I mean, it, it, the reason I say I wasn't scared is because like, we were attacked. We were, uh, people tried tactics to get us out and things like that, you know? And I mean, like, I didn't know anyone. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't there to cause any trouble or anything like that. But I, I was very, very annoyed, you know, because yeah. like, I'm just a, I was just a concerned citizen, that's all. And um, you know, like what what the, the whole reason why they kettled the the, uh, the march um, was because they didn't want us to go down the main street because it was like a Sunday and obviously there was a lot of people out shopping and a lot of the banners were about the obviously the vaccine and the dangers and the yellow card and things like that. So you think you and were I mean, kettled because they didn't want people to get some idea of what was really going on? Oh, you know, that people might see the, the posters, they might hear. The megaphones they might want yeah. they, they might look a bit yeah. a bit further. That's very oh, interesting. Mean, it was a hundred percent because uh, I know there was like you see you, you see it uh, <clears throat> when I say that I don't like to be I, I don't like groups and you know like all the like truth is and awakening and things like that. I just think it it it's very dangerous because what they did with the the queuing on people like I followed that because it was interesting, but I always tried to just stay on the side of censorship because it was interesting to stay. Like objective, if that makes sense. And I think if you if you look at things from a different point of view, then you're not going to drawn in um, picking your side. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I was, you know, like, but when when they categorised everybody as QAnon, I mean, you know, like the 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 big time when the when they cancelled all the people that were QAnon was the Hunter Biden laptop, which obviously we all know at the time it came out to be true, and now it's it's you know like all news and things like that, but. You know, like it's 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 just it's just crazy how these things work, and you know, like like the the social media for the same as what you know everything that you say about it is completely correct, but also, you know, like I've made like a lot of connections with people that you know, like from different countries or 
you know, like, and it just it gives you a little bit of... It has, uh, it has its you, uses. Pedro, before, it just, I, before I take another call, because calls are backing up big time here, yeah, yeah, and no we, we've, 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 we're coming up on 12 minutes. I don't want to cut you off, but I want to I want to no, take no. other calls. Um, I ask this of everybody I speak to for the first time. Are you optimistic about the next 12 to 18 months to two years? Do you think we can <laughs> oh, turn it around? That's a tough one, isn't it? I think I go through each day is different, isn't it? But uh, I think you know something. Something that I heard, which was just amazing, like is uh, you know, like if we could just get through to people that we are all the same, you know, like we are, like they want us to believe that we're all divided, but we are the people, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we are the same. I'm you, you're me, and that's that's what it comes down to. And I think that's what we need to break down. They unite together, but it feels impossible at the moment because we're so divided, don't we? We are, and we, we, we probably outnumber them by probably ten million uh, to one, probably. Pedro, Hi. great to meet you, to meet yeah, you, pal, you. in the northeast. Great Lovely George, to speak to you. For, thanks for doing what you do, mate. All right, you're, you're, yeah. you're a gent for saying that. Thanks, Pedro. Pedro, there in the north, the north. Why am I saying north? Uh, the northeast of the country. Great accents. That. Speaking of accents, the BBC has announced that. It wants more working class people working for the BBC. It wants one quarter of its staff to be working class. Did you read that today, did you? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And the time is exactly five minutes to six o'clock. Back to the mobile phones. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? That's you. Turn turn me off in the background there. Tur- turn me off so I can't hear the echo and we'll have a good chin wag for a couple of minutes. Who am I speaking with then? Uh, my name's Ardle. Is it Ardle or Arnold? Ardle. Ardle. Proper Irish name. Get in there. How are you doing, Ardle? Yeah. Where, where are you calling from? Yeah. I'm calling from Wokingham. From Wokingham. Nice to meet you, pal. What would you like to say? Well, just to say, I mean, I, I listen to your show uh, every day and you know what? I like the way you, you bring humour to something that, you know, it, it would make you cry if you, if you, if you just really <laughs> listened to all the nonsense that goes on. Yeah. Some of the, you know, the way you can just bring humour to it, just, you know, all the idiots out there and all the nonsense that they say and that they believe. And, and, I, and I just, I just get on with it. I, I've been, I've been a kind of a, a sceptic of lots of stuff for a long time. Um, Probably because I mean I know you said I've got a good Irish name. I know it's an Irish name, but actually my background is Arabic, so it's a it's a it's, a, it's a, an Arabic name. Is that and right? Is that is that mum and dad, or mum or dad, or is it grandparents? Uh, so my dad, uh, your dad, my, my dad, my dad's not with us anymore, but um, he, he's originally from Yemen. So you, you can imagine how I feel about the crisis that's going on there now. Yeah, um, and and the way that's not being picked up is is, is just is just. Horrendous. <clears throat> Ardell, hang on. T- tell us, tell tell us about that then. I mean, obviously, we we've talked about it on this program, but you're right. It it never gets so much as a mention on any news broadcast. T- tell us about what's happening in Yemen. So, so my my, my dad is from um, originally from a, a little village called Rada, which is in the north of Yemen. <clears throat> and uh, as you're aware, um, the north and south used to be. Divided into almost two different countries, um, and uh, I think they tried to unify and uh, unify behind one 
particular president. And of course, you, you, you're going to get disagreement uh, on, on that choice. And I, I also believe that, you know, Yemen was <clears throat> was targeted for things like IMF loans and various other bits and pieces, which they refused. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think they also vetoed a vote in, in NATO to do with the invasion of Iraq. I think that I might be wrong on that, but it was something to do with that. <clears throat> but they seem to have been punished ever since on that. But what's happening is, is horrendous because, you know, the Saudis are, are using the weaponry bought from the British to bomb, <clears throat> you know, um, women and children in Yemen. Uh, and it's led to one of the worst famines in history, um, you know, on, on a par with what was happening in, in you know, in, in countries in Africa where we all got together and, you know, did great things to support them. But, you know, it's happening again, but no one's paying any attention to it. And it's very frustrating to me because, you know, while what's happening in Ukraine is awful, because all, all war is awful, um, it's happening all over the world. <clears throat> so, no, to take your time, this and, is very important. It's rank hypocrisy of the British it, it, media it to criticise Russia's behaviour in Ukraine, which is obviously wrong, while at the same time they're manufacturing weapons and selling them to Saudi Arabia, as you said, knowing full well that those weapons are being used to to kill people, to, to, well, it's genocide in Yemen. And, and look, I'm not trying yeah. to be silly about this. I mean this genuinely. How, how, how does that sit with you, that you live in a country, you know, that is complicit, an accessory before, during and after the fact, complicit in the genocide in Yemen, your, your father's country, your ancestors? How, how does that sit with you? How do you deal with that? Uh, well, I mean, I find it very frustrating. I find it difficult. First and foremost, I'm, I'm, I'm a very patriotic. I mean, you know, if I say, you know, I'm a very patriotic Englishman. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm from the United Kingdom, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm born in England. I'm not originally from Birmingham. I don't know if you could pick that up in my accent, but but I moved down to the southeast of England for work. So, but on the whole, I'm a very patriotic British English person. You know what I mean? So it it it's very it's very frustrating for me. To, to, to see what the country that I am, you know, a patriot of, doing things in a country that, you know, is, is from my heritage. Would you ever have written to your local MP or tried to phone him or her up to say, listen, could you ask a question? And I know, look, I know it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference, but have, have you ever done that? Have you ever spoke to any of the local politicians to ask them, why do they, why do they not, you know, stand against them? this because it's outrageous um no i haven't i mean the only one okay I mean, my, my my mp is redwood right john and john redwood it, the, the tory john is redwood MP. yeah that's right. it yeah the only, the, only, the only time i ever wrote to my local mp was a campaign um for increasing the sentences for cruelty to animals um, right. and the kind of response that i got i felt slightly was, was sort of like patronizing because it it, it, it basically just said you know or the tone was, are you are you doing this because you really genuinely feel about it, or are you doing it because of the campaign being run by a Battersea to to ask you to do this? And it sort of like had that underlying tone to it. So I thought they're just a wasted space. They just you know, and it wasn't you know it wasn't a reply from him directly. It was probably his secretary or something. And it was a, he must have had a lot of emails come through, and then just they wrote a stock reply and just sent it out to anybody. And and I got the feeling that I'd probably get the same in that respect. Bit of gaslighting so, going on there. Bit of gaslighting going on. Um, quest, much, yeah. qu questioning whether you really, really care enough about 
animals to, to, to write the letter. That's disgusting. These, these yeah, are disgusting exactly. I mean, people, aren't they? All of them, every no, single one of them. No, exactly. But no, the, but the reason I brought up the, 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 you know, the bit about me being, or my heritage being from the Yemen is, you know, being, being Arabic and, and, and watching what certainly the US have done to the Middle East over many, many years has, has made me the kind of sceptical person that I am. You know, I look at these things and I, and I, and I see them for what they are. Um, and, and everything is just, you know, it's about, you know, the U.S. was trying to rule the world and the things that they do in, in the name of so-called democracy and, you know, the, 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 the lives that have been lost across the world. I think I saw a statistic somewhere that said <clears throat> if, um, if, if, every, if, if for everything that happened, um, well, a U.S. sort of, uh, you know, invoked action around the world, and I think every U.S. president since the since the end of the Second World War would have been prosecuted for war crimes for the for the events that have gone on around the world in in, in the name of the you know the American public. Isn't that true? Isn't that absolutely true? And do you have extended family cousins in Yemen or or anybody back home connected to your father? <clears throat> yeah, I do. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I've not really, I've never been, I've not really met, uh, the only ones I've ever met are the ones that have come to the UK and I've seen, <clears throat> but my, you know, my, my dad's sister's still, uh, still alive and, um, you know, so I've got, I've got cousins and, and, and various other family who, uh, some I've met, some I've never met. Um, but you're, yeah, you're worried, you're, you're, you know, we have family there. You're worried about them, Ardell, right? You think about them and, and how they might be getting on. I do, I do. Because the there's no real news about what happens because, yeah, because to get in touch with them, because unfortunately I never learned to speak the language. My mom's not fully, fully Arab, so she never really learned the language. So, you know, my dad was very eloquent. You know, he spoke English really well. So I, I never learned the language, which is one of my biggest regrets. I don't carry many regrets. I don't, you know, just, you know, regrets are just something that, you know, just burn you up if you, if, you, if you think about them. So I never carry any regrets, but that might be one that just niggles in the back of me because. My, my, my dad passed away a couple of years ago um, from that horrible disease, dementia. And one of the things that it did to him is it, it, it kind of regressed him back. And he, he, he started to forget his English. And, you know, he's trying to talk to us in, in, in Arabic. And, and I just couldn't understand him. And then that's the moment when I realized I wish I'd learned how to speak because, you know, I, I could be in these last few moments with him. I could be having these conversations with him. But, you know, I couldn't. That's an amazing thing to say that. I mean... I understand it's uh, it's difficult for anybody to pick it up, even people who tend to do well with languages. My other half is terrific when it comes to picking up languages, but I believe that Arabic and, and then some of the far Eastern languages, very, very difficult to pick up and, 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 and to learn. But um, And of course, there's a, there's a thing called classical Arabic and, and modern Arabic. And, and, you know, I mean, I know that you know, the, my dad spoke the classical Arabic and language evolved so rapidly in, in Arabic countries that, you know, he, when he spoke to younger people who, who learned their Arabic through, you know, modern schools, they, they find it difficult. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, um, if you think how English has evolved over 500 years from things like the days of Shakespeare, yes, and even Chaucer, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it happened over a very short period in Arabic. So it was very difficult. Some of the words weren't quite, you know, the same or it was like, you could see that there was a little bit of difficulty in them understanding it. So I thought if I learned a modern version, you know, I, I'd have that. I mean, I'd, be, I'd have some conversation with him, but, you know, there'd be little, 
bits that weren't quite right. But yeah, but yeah, like I say, it was always always that one regret. But yeah, sounds like he. He, he sounds like he was a very good man and that he had a very good life. It's like, like you said, it's a rotten thing. They they say dementia is worse for everybody else, don't they? Not so much for yeah. the for the patient, for the sufferer, but for for the extended yeah. family because it's so difficult. It's painful. Yeah. I've not really experienced it now in in my own family. I have to say that, but um, yeah, they say the family really suffer when somebody has dementia. But wow, tell me this. Yeah, cause tell, it, cause it, sorry, Arnold, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say because you know it, take, it just takes them away from you. So, so in other words, the person's gone, even though they're, they're physically they're the body gone, is there, mentally. Gone. So you, yeah. so you sort of, you know. You, but my 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 dad was a, a very very generous man, and you know he left me with values that I, I I keep with me to this day. You know, what I mean generosity or something. You know, you know, you know. My wife always tells me, you know, you always cook too much food, but you know, I think. I work on my dad's principle is that, you know, you always cook more than you need because if someone knocks the door, you can bring them in and set another place for them. That's always, you know, that's always my way. That's what we do. That's that's the way we are, you know, and, you know. There was he, a generation he, he never of people. Had much. Sorry, Arden, there was a generation of people like your father. Like, I think you were going to say he never had much, but what he did have, he'd, he'd give to people. There was a generation of people like that who would leave... Yeah the key in the front door, wouldn't they? So neighbours wouldn't have to knock when they when they came around. They would just have to come in. It's amazing. Right. That was in my family when was, I was growing up. And he had a, he just had a very, yeah, a very simple way of dealing with people, which was, you know, he, he was a very good cook. So he would cook for people. He would make food. He would invite. You know, I remember as a child, right, the uh, our milkman, remember the milk floats? The milkman used to yeah. go around with, yeah. his, with, his, with this leather sack on his side. With yeah. Pipes. Hundreds of, and and he used to come in on a Saturday, and you know my dad used to feed him, and I used to stand there and count out, count out his, his fives and his tens and his twenties, you know, Queen's face up, you know, counting out all his money while you know my dad used to feed him. And the thing is, right, I mean, you know, he wouldn't do it for this reason, but you know, you look after people, and they give you back in kind. Yeah, you know, different generation. And, but, but he, absolutely, and I and I live by that standard name. See, so I'm, you know, I. I, I'm a very generous person. I, you know, I like to give to people. You know, I, I, I've, I've taken his real. His, and are are you happy attitude. as a result of that? Does that give you happiness? I I know you you came on to talk about the horrors in Yemen, which are frustrating and painful for you, no doubt. But living like that, being open, you know, being kind, taking after your father, does that leave you with you know generally a good sense of? Of um of well being of being in good form most of the time. It does because you know I mean it, it does because what I see is you know everyone I speak to or I've, I've ever spoken to, I've always said you know they they always thought that my 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 dad was a very you know a really nice man he was a good man he was a you know he was a generous man he was a, you know and this and 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 those traits you think if you can just replicate that and you know and if people can. <clears throat> talk about you in the same terms you know if you could go out of this life thinking you know people thought that i was a nice person and i was a generous person and they you know i'm not i'm not after any kind of no but there's no know. better legacy there's no better legacy than that and it, it sounds very much like your old dad left the world better than when he found it and and that's all really anybody can ask for Ardle, i'm going to take some more calls they're backing up yeah. here Really nice to meet you. Thanks for bringing up Yemen. Thank you. It's it's what what do you say about it? It's it's genocidal. It's it's criminal, and yet it's happening. And and the people responsible for it, this government is just as complicit as the Saudi government. And yet they talk about what Russia is doing in Ukraine and what Assad did in Syria. 
the hypocrisy is breathtaking. Um, I can't imagine. And, no Bosch, and, Bosch has, and Bosch has gone over to strike a nice deal with the Saudis over the over over oil and gas and what have you as well. So instead of dealing with one devil, you deal with the next. Arnold, great to meet you. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thanks for that. Lovely to meet you. Not at all. Any time. That's Ardell in Wokingham there, who's um, part Arabic. His father was a Yemeni and came to live in the UK. Mother, I think he said, part Arabic. And uh, he came on to talk about what's happening in Yemen, which, of course, we have covered on this programme, but not of late. It must be said it's 10 minutes past six. There's lots of time left to call me. Please do. The contact details are on richieallen.co.uk. They're also on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Do talk to me. I think we've got Martin on the line. Is it Martin? Hello? Hi, Martin. You're through. You've made it. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Nice to hear from you today. I think we probably spoke before, but it's a long time ago. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Hello there. I can I can hear you loud and clear, Martin. What would you like to say? As a Martin, yeah, yeah. The sound has gone really bad there. I think you might have me on a device, uh, the same device you're using. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to. Knock that call out of the system. It's a Skype call. And we'll get Martin back in a moment. He was a bit... Uh, I know what's happening there, you see. He's speaking to me live and he's hearing me probably in his earpiece. He's using a headphones probably, you see. That's confusing, that. When I started out presenting, when I had a real producer, it takes a bit of getting used to. When you're talking to your listener about something. And as you're talking to your listener, your producer is telling you something in your shell-like. Take some time. Took me some time to get used to it. I don't mind telling you. So it's uh, 0161818 It is Chat with Richie on Skype. Plus 44161818 If you happen to be calling from overseas. But I wouldn't recommend you phone the programme uh, on the landline or the mobile from overseas because it'll cost you a few squids. It'll cost you more than a few squids, and that's not good. Back to the mobile phones. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? You're talking to Simon from Mexborough. From Mexborough? Yeah. Now, that's... Where's, is that Yorkshire, Simon? It is, yeah. It's in between Doncaster and Rotherham. Do you know how I know that? How do you know that? Dennis Priestley. The former Dennis World Priestley. Darts champion. The Mexborough menace. That's I don't know that now. That's where I got that. Yeah, for, yeah, because he's he's a Barnsley lad, uh, I think. Yeah, but, that's, but, that's but, not far from here as well. But I think he lived in Mexborough, yeah. So they gave him the nickname the Mexborough Menace. I think he won the World Darts Championships twice. I'm a boring fart today, Simon. Don't mind me. Lovely to meet you, pal. What would you like to say? Uh, I'd like to talk really about what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, but as as we can relate it to the Great Reset, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and all the rest of it. So. In a nutshell, this is what I believe. I believe that the, the reason why this is all happening, to do with it, it's to do with the oil and gas, is for them to get what they want, which is the Great Reset. That's what I believe it's all about. So you, so, so the, the, the hikes in the energy prices 
and the problems with food, you think, though, well, leave food aside for a minute, but the energy disaster, you think that's the desired result from the war? Yeah, I, I think that's what this is really all about. And they're going to get what they want, like Bill Gates has openly said in 2010 on YouTube, uh, innovating to net to zero by 2050. And he was talking about reducing the world population through vaccines. Everyone knows that video. But he was basically talking about what they wanted to get done by 2050, which is this net zero policy, Agenda 2030, sustainable development. Prince Charles has openly talked about it. And then at COP26 in Glasgow last year, Prince Charles was saying we need a military-style campaign to marshal the global private sector. And they've got trillions at their disposal and we haven't got that money. So... That's really where it's going, is this is financial suicide. That's what this is. And do you think out of this, we might see fiat currency disappear? We might see cashless at the yes. end of this? I mean, yesterday or the day before, the World Government Summit was on YouTube. The video was on for like eight hours. But somewhere in that video, I seen a clip of this woman, an economist on stage, and she was basically saying that we're going to, bring an end to this currency and a new digital blockchain currency is coming in. And do you think there's any legitimacy to, to, to my theory? Now, there, my theories don't the have to... The climate lockdowns, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to obviously bring this new digital ID system in. That's what the vaccine passport really are about. It was tra- the training wheels and the beta test. And they'll roll it back out again but it won't be a vaccine passport. It'll be a brand new digital ID system, which MasterCard, you had one of your guests on mentioning this, that they had their climate targets inside of this MasterCard. When you reach a carbon footprint limit, that's it. You, you can't buy towards any more towards those things. Imagine the dystopian reality of what, yeah. of what you just said there, that everything you do will have a carbon value to it. Um, in terms of carbon footprint. And you get an allowance every month, Simon. And if you go over it, well, you're basically, you might be told to stay indoors. You might be told to go into the metaverse for a bit and do some work in the metaverse. That's it, yeah. While you're not actually out and about, because if you're out and about, you're creating carbon and you've exceeded your carbon allowance on any given month. I know full well there will be people listening to this who think that this is insane, crazy conspiracy bollocks but but it isn't it's happening do, do you agree with mark windows when he said yeah, yeah. if we allow cashless to succeed where there is no cash that we're finished there, there we won't be able to recover from that do you think that's right that's it we're done really aren't we? they've basically got us now and um our time to turn this back were in 2020 sadly that's what i think and I ain't got any help anymore. I listen to Alex Jones, I listen to you, I listen to David Icke, listen to all these different conspiracy things. And they're all saying basically exactly the same message. You know what I mean? Everyone's saying the same stuff now. Because it's it's hard. Well, well, well because it's unavoidable, basically. It is, yeah. yeah. It's all out there. It's all out in open. And they're basically all... Look, David Icke said that, that, you know, like people like Klaus Schwab and that when they're openly talking about world government and stuff and Bill Gates talking about depopulation... He's saying that these people, that it's like whistling it back, that's what David said, because no one gets to really hear it. It's funny about the depopulation thing. I'll do my job today. And I'm not saying I don't agree with you, by the way. I do. But Gates, if he were here, and sadly he isn't, but if he were here, he would say that he was saying that if you improve 
healthcare in countries where you've got high infant mortality, um, people will naturally tend to have less children. That's yeah, that's what Gates would say. Thing. Yeah, that's what he would say. I'm not saying I believe Gates, but I've got to do my my journalistic bit there and say that Gates has always said that he's not, you know, he's not for you know wiping out large swathes of the population. I don't believe him. I believe, given the chance, he'd like to get rid of four and a half, five billion people at the stroke of a pen. I really do believe that about Gates. Gates is sick. Didn't Gates recently get upset because the Omicron variant was doing better than the vaccines? Yes, he did say that. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, our vaccines are not doing as well. Omicron is, is bringing about natural herd immunity. Uh, we well, can't have that. Bill Gates, well, not only Bill Gates is talking about that he wants to depopulate the planet, he's been talking about it for years, but even Prince Charles has been talking about this for years. Yes. Even the Daily Mail even wrote articles saying that, the, that which what Prince Charles has said, that we need four planets to sustain us all. To, to sustain us all. Nonsense. And he's wanting to push us all onto this sustainability thing, which is, again, them to bring out the stuff that they want, which is the synthetic lab-grown meat from Bill Gates again. And Klaus Schwab wants us all eating bugs. Eating crickets and, and God knows what. The it's horrible when you lay it out like that in black and white, isn't it? What what they yeah. want to achieve. Imagine living... Do you think we'll still be here when it's at its worst? I'm 47 now. 20 years' time I'll be 67 if I live that long. I yeah, mean, I think so, yeah. But I call this myself... Agenda 2050, because it all seems to be that that's the date. There's two dates, 2030, 2050. They want to get a lot of this done by 2030, and they want to get a lot of the other stuff deadline by 2050. So it's net zero, really. If you look at this as a transition rather than a war, that they're just using these crises to push their agenda even further, then it all makes sense, because I just see this as they want to bring in a brand new economy based on net zero emissions. And they've got to take the population with them by telling them, no, this is the reason why it's happening. When really they wanted to do it all anyway. Point to wars, busted pipelines, God knows what else, uh, as the justification for having to move to renewable energies, which are nonsense. Wind is nonsense, we know that. Although the BBC published an article today on its website claiming that 10% of the of global energy production last year was, was wind generated. I don't know if I can believe that or not, but they, they, there was an article on the BBC today claiming that. That 10%... Elon, wow. I've seen uh, on Twitter, Elon Musk replied to something and he said that Europe can get most of its energy from solar panels if they're all in Sahara Desert or something. These are the bastards oh, who say that the sun <laughs> has got nothing to do with warming the planet. But at the same I'm time, on that as well. you know, as well, yeah. But they, 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 they tell us the sun is not part of their climate models. So the sun apparently is insignificant. However, <clears throat> if you put panels on your house, the sun will heat your house and will, uh, will, will, will satisfy your energy needs. It, they're it's laughing in our faces. Uh, sorry. No, you go ahead, Simon. Uh, it's your call. Go all ahead. Right. Yeah, yeah. Pre pandemic, I were also into a lot of these conspiracy stuff as well, but I were also into. Ancient lost civilizations and cataclysms and all sorts of stuff. And while I was researching all of that, I came across all these different climate things that had happened in the past. So that stuff that goes back to like 13,000 years ago with the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis, right? But I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about is, is that 
they basically base this climate model on that the world's only 150 years old, even though it's 4.5 billion years old. Yeah. But it's, it's, they re- started recording weather in 1850. So they show us a graph from 1850, and they're showing us this is the hottest and coldest day since records began, but they began in 1850. But we know, people have actually done some research, that the models go back even further than that because of the ice core and all the rest of it. They don't want to talk about any of that, no. though, because... The turbocharged chariots and things didn't exist, did they? Well said, and they grew grapes in your neck of the woods. Things were so warm. At one time, grapes were grown in Yorkshire. Wine was produced. We know this. We know that there were times when, long before we existed, or before we walked the earth, when there was was much more CO2 in the atmosphere than there is now owing to various activity, volcanic activity, undersea volcanic activity. You're right, all of that research is there. People should read a guy called Ian Plymer, um, who's, who's uh, d- done some amazing work on that. I know there are others. It's mad stuff, Simon. So, so, so before I take my next call, how long do you think that people like you and me and our listeners have to kind of convince people that they need to pay attention to it before it's too late? Is there a cutoff I point? I don't. I ain't got an answer to that. I don't know. Me neither. No idea. But anyway, before before you go, I'm glad I managed to compose myself. So I've got adult ADHD, and I thought I'd just fuck all this on. <laughs> Not at all. Give over. No, it was brilliant. Uh, brilliant call, uh, Simon. I'm all glad. Right. I'm glad you called in, mate. There's some brilliant um, uh, comments you made there. Some really interesting stuff to get stuck into. Lovely to meet you, by the way, in Mexborough. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Simon there in Mexborough in Yorkshire, not too far from Barnsley. Nice to chat with him. William is trying to get through, and then we'll try and get Martin back. So you can get Martin. Martin was trying to get through, but I'm pretty sure that he had me on his device at the same time he was trying to get through. It's William in Scotland, in Bonnie, Scotland. How are you doing, William? Hello. Welcome back. It's been a long time, pal. Good to have you on. Good evening. Good evening is right. We're off to Glasgow for the Glaswegian votes. No, 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 no. To Edinburgh. No. Jesus Christ. Hearts. <laughs> I'm joking, hearts. I'm in, <laughs> I'm actually in a little town called Elgin in the northeast of Scotland. I know Elgin. I know it very well. And uh, I've never ah. been there, but I know it. I, I know Elgin very well. I have a listener and a supporter who's, who, who lives in, in Elgin. It's not you. I'd, I, I, I'd have to ask his permission if I can connect you, but um, yeah. but I do as as a matter of interest. Yeah, welcome it's back. So, yeah, it's a small place. I know it's a small world. Uh, Jimmy Cranky, then you've got the mask wearing till Easter. I know you don't wear them. What's going on in your neck of the woods, William? Honestly, I mean, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Nicola is Hitler back from the dead. I'm adamant. <laughs> She even dresses and looks like him. Has she recently? I've not noticed this. Ex- explain this to me. What what's she been wearing? She's not wearing jack boots, is she? Oh Jesus! I've not <laughs> I've not checked lately, but I've heard some horror stories that I, I I wouldn't even want to share with you in regards to Nicola. It's obvious that this is a woman who has derived some sort of almost sexual satisfaction out of telling people that she's got control over where they can go and what they can do. I don't want to make this silly now and childish, but I got the impression over the last 18 months, a bit of venom in Sturgeon when she's telling people this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. When you when you watch her, when she's given a speech, 
you can clearly tell. I mean, you don't even have to be an expert or even a beginner on people that are psychopaths, but you can clearly see that this lady is deranged. Yeah. She is clearly absolutely mental, and uh, she, she has no empathy whatsoever. You can clearly see it. And when she, when it was the height of the pandemic, she would stand uh, every day telling about the deaths, telling about the fake statistics, if you like. And it, it, it was beyond belief. She had no no empathy. You could see basically right through her, honestly. I can't believe that they all got away with the daily briefings. Like when 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 we look back, so you yeah. had you had Nicola Sturgeon doing her thing in Scotland. To a lesser extent, you had Mark Drakeford in Wales. But every day you had Johnson, and if it wasn't Johnson, it was Matt Hancock, and they were flanked by two so-called scientists. And because it was every day, I thought that people would cotton on to that, William. I thought people would say, ah, give over, will you? This is yeah. not the Black Plague, like. People are, <laughs> people are not falling down dead in the streets. Why do we need these daily briefings? But people seem to lap up the briefings. Yeah, a lot of people did, but to be honest, I think I think you're actually right. I noticed a lot of people did. They be, they began to see through it. They, it right. they they got bored of it almost. So I think that's maybe why they stopped it as well, because it wasn't having such a great impact. I actually watched a guy, my local MP. He would do a live stream. I think he was doing one every day. <laughs> he would go on on his Facebook and do a live stream and talk about the tests and the, the all the daily data. And this guy, I shit you not, as the days went by, you could see his face, the life draining from his face. No way. Because he had to come on every day and tell lies. He made a run for his own back by doing it. Yeah, eventually yeah. He, he parked it in. He, he gave up doing the live streams. But you could see it, honestly, you could see it in his face. It was it was nothing but lies. I think they knew it, but of course they that's what they get paid to do. But what I wanted to say quickly uh, was in regards to Facebook, well, social media. I think you're correct, and I think everyone else is correct to be honest, because they kind of sell it as a good a good sort of idea where you can connect with family, but it's not actually its true intentions. The the dangers to it tend to be hidden. Yeah. So we, we kind of walk right into it and yeah, it's got a good side, but what is its true intention? Where does it really go? You could talk about the metaverse, but they're also now talking about mind reading technology being used by Facebook. I think they're actually tri trialing it now. Would would that be using partly using your camera, would it, on, on your laptop? If they I believe can, so, yeah. yeah. Yep. So they or could your smartphone. That's amazing. So they they could train computers, which would eventually begin to learn for themselves, artificial intelligence, to read a person's physical expressions, and to, yeah, read their minds. Now you've just reminded me, William. Um, yeah. Didn't we read in the Times last year, the Sunday Times? The NHS is very interested in this because yeah. it wants these algorithms, these these artificial intelligence programs, to pick up if somebody is under, you know, some sort of psychological distress or, you know, undergoing some, some mental health problems. So that, yeah, so, right. so that the AI program could then alert the authorities who would send somebody around like a health visitor to see if you're okay. Basically, your phone rats you out <laughs> or, yeah. your, or, your, or your tablet. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, it's, 
that's pretty much what they want. Let's face it, that's mm-hmm. the sort of future it's going to be. Today, in, in this day and age, if you've not got a smartphone, you're looked at as being odd. That's right. Although, you're, you're right, by the way, 100% right. I think you are absolutely right to say that. The older, dumb phones seemingly yeah. making some sort of a comeback. People are buying the old Nokias. I saw some, I hate to say younger people, we're not old, I'm not old, but some 20-somethings were speaking to the BBC last week. I might have robbed the article and put it on my own website. I, I think yeah. I probably did. And they were saying, wow, stop the smartphone. I stopped it, got the dumb phone. I feel so much better. I'm sleeping better. I'm thinking better. And I'm not so edgy. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it's quite interesting that because, I mean, from what I've seen, different studies that have been done on smart devices, they're not good. It's not good news if we can believe what they say, of course. Yeah, they've shown physiological changes in children's brains under MRI scans. Uh, The children that use phones quite a bit. So so we know they, they change how the brain functions. And that and, that and that's not good, obviously. Yeah, there was just one other thing, sorry, that I wanted to mention. Go right ahead, you pal. The caller before you said about, I think you mentioned that there was grapes being grown in a part of England. Yeah. In a certain time. What I thought was, because the Pictish warriors from the area that I'm from, in the, in the sort of pictures and drawings of them, they don't have any clothes. And I used to think that they were just, just very, very hardy. Neanderthal. Maybe it was a lot warmer than I know it thought it was back then. That's very interesting, that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? Maybe it was far warmer than, than, than maybe people let on. There's definitely a lot of evidence when it comes to old drawings, paintings, and uh, maybe it's something people should pay more attention to. Yeah, Yorkshire definitely grew grapes. At one yeah. time, it was so cold... Uh, the Thames used to f- freeze over and people would skate right. on it and they would put up little marquees on it. it the ice was so thick. Um, we, we, they, we, we know that way back throughout history in this country, in, in Europe, weather patterns were, you know, they talk now about flooding and hurricanes. None of that is new. You know, we've had floods and hurricanes yeah. since forever. We have floods today because they don't dredge rivers, right? Yeah, that's right. That's the same up here as well. The, a lot of the barns, they don't get dredged anymore. So there's issues, localised flooding. And they reckon that it's better for the, the environment, but I'm unsure. <laughs> yeah, they often, they, it isn't gad flies. It's not gad flies, but it'll be some fly that that, 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 that nests yeah. and mates and, oh, God forbid now we disturb this fly. So let's not dredge the river and let's um, ruin a thousand houses and, and a thousand families' lives to protect some fly which in the grand scheme of things is, you know, uh, in terms of the ecosystem, is not doing a lot for, for, for us and we're not doing much for it. Mad times. Well. What I wanted to mention as well in regards to the climate, um, I'm unsure. I, I tend to always think, well, it's the, the geoengineering, the spraying. Uh, I think that is probably playing a part, but I'm unsure as to if there's more going on. I, I always think of that quote, there's nothing new under the sun. So are we just going through a, a cycle? Yeah, I, I look, why why not? I, I leave loads of room for for anything to be possible and for me mm. to be wrong, to, to, to flatly, 
you know, refuse to accept that man-made CO2 is having some effect. So I have to leave some room for the idea that maybe man-made CO2, despite the fact that the atmosphere contains such little CO2, but yeah, I do leave a little bit of room for the possibility that I might be wrong. I've been wrong often enough, William, so why not? Yeah, join the crew. Exactly. And, and a little bit of humility goes a long way. Great to catch yeah. up with you, buddy. I'm going to take another call. Time is flying. And uh, I just wanted to say quickly, thank you very much for everything that you do. Uh, I'm very grateful, a big supporter for many years and hopefully many more to come. be nice to meet you sometime, pal. If you're down this neck of the woods, have a beer. And thanks for saying that. Good stuff. Thanks, Take William. Care. God bless William and, and your family as well. William in Elgin in the northeast of Scotland. Nice to catch up with him. Let's see, can we get Martin back? You know the contact details now, don't you? You do, you do, you do. It's 0161818018. I suppose I'll play the jingle. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161818018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161818018. Talk to Richie now. Welcome back. Martin, welcome to the programme. Are you there? Yes. Fantastic. The the line is dreadful, but we'll persevere uh, with it. Good to have you on, my friend. Um, lots of calls backing up, so I'm going to move it along a little bit swifter. What would you like to say, Martin? Yeah, basically, it was um, I was like really ill November before the first lockdown, and uh, I was out, but I was still working. I was out delivering, um, doing couriering, relief driving. Uh, for sickness and holidays for the regular drivers. And a couple of people I talked to, one was um, relative worked in a London hospital because I didn't know what was going on. And I've been listening to your show and I thought, is this real? And um, yeah, this uh, relative of this person worked in a London hospital and he said, and he was turning around saying, um, yeah, people that were suffering terminally ill with cancer when they died, they was being marked down with COVID and uh, carried on delivering. And about two, three months later, I spoke, spoke to a roofer that got disillusioned with our county council. And um, two things. One was uh, we got in a, this conversation and he said that the, um, the green grants at the time, he said that was a load of rubbish and was basically a scam. And he was in charge at the time of um, sorting out about £6 million worth of grants for the county to go green. What did he mean that the grants were a scam now? Did he mean the money was being was well, being allocated? Uh, it... I, I don't know. It's like it was, they was just sort of like handing money out. It's um, like local, our local, our local council... Um, I remember in the paper it hit the top 10 for the most corrupt councils in the country. Um, but there was, you know, whether it was corrupt, people making false claims for going green. For green projects, know. yeah. That, that's probably what he meant, that money was being spent on so-called green projects, which, which weren't really green. And you're talking maybe backhanders, brown envelopes, people having a good laugh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, an, and another thing which he said was that um, he came across papers, he came or information uh, within the council um, that they wanted to get out the UK's population down to 50 million by 2030 or t- 
as the other callers said, 2050 was another year that they was aiming at. But, but yeah, basically, um, getting the population down to 50 million in our country. What is it now? It's 67 million or thereabouts today. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be 17 uh, million. Um, and these papers, again, where, where do we believe they originated? Um, well, he... I can only imagine that they were sent down from government to um, county council. But you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm listen. I'm in no way now saying that your friend or your contact is is telling lies. I'm not saying that at all. But it it would amaze me that they that anybody would put this type of stuff down in black and white where somebody else could find it, Martin. I've always oh, been. Yeah. The, I'm not saying I it doesn't happen because it does happen. What he was saying. Yeah, right, so. listen, it does happen. It, it it astounds me. Like like, look, we know it happens because Pfizer have been caught with their trousers down, telling lies about the COVID jab uh, trials because they documented all the failings during the trials and all of their bullshit. So yeah, it it it, it amazes me. People do actually put down this stuff on paper where it can be discovered. Have these people never heard of a shredding machine, Martin? I wonder. Right, right, you know? right. Well, it's, everything's digital now, but it is. Um, yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, I'm 58 now. You say about your age, but I mean the way that I feel listening to your shows as well as other people. I listen to uh, Russell Brand who sit on YouTube, and the information that you get, it's like hitting the 58, and I think all these years I've been lied to and been, you know, growing up, and it just makes you think. You know, is anything real? And whereas Ukraine's concerned, I mean, they're talking about going green. They're talking about oil, which I think they, you know, want to preserve. I think they want to preserve the oil for, you know, when we need it to like to make things rubber, etc., plastics, still using oil. Can we use bio oil for that? And uh, I did a, send you an email, but. Um, I, was, I talked to a farmer really recently and I said about our country and I said, well, why can't we grow like sunflowers here? And he said, well, we grow rape. And he turned around and he said, like countries like Ukraine, he said, they're better for growing the sunflower oil. And recently I found out how much of a percentage Egypt buys oil, veg, well, vegetable oil, sunflower oil, whatever, um, from Ukraine. Now, apart from I heard that there's gas under Ukraine, um, this farmer was saying that their, oil, their soil out in Ukraine is like peat and they get warm summers and dry cold winters, which is ideal for growing the crops that they grow. And I'm just wondering if this is something like people say Bill Gates, oh yeah, um, but I'm just wondering if this is really a land grab because if... Ukraine's asking every other country for weapons, send me weapons, send me weapons. Well, when you realise, how much does a tank cost? Is it 60, 60 million for a tank? Now, Ukraine can't pay this back, so how are they going to pay for what they're borrowing back to the countries that they're borrowing off? And I'm just thinking, well, you know, like Ukraine could go bankrupt. You know, the president's saying that they want to be neutral, but yeah. in being neutral... It's um, the West that they'll probably let in and use the soil, use the land. And I'm just wondering if they just want people while taking to while to taking take loans, back. yeah, while taking loans from the International Monetary Fund and the European Central Bank, 
We know what these institutions did to Greece, to Italy, to Spain, to Portugal, and to Ireland, my my country. You're absolutely right to say that. You know, and I think, and I think, you know, it's okay strategically, Russia, the ports, and that. But the rest of it, once Ukraine got, well, they're probably um, just rich in resources. They could be, you know. Um, they're talking about some metal that's under the ground as well. I've heard this, so, and it was very interesting listening to James Perloff on this programme last night talk about something I'd heard nothing about, and that was a gas field under the Mediterranean, which um, which uh, might provide uh, a pipeline. The Israelis are interested in this, I think James told me, uh, the French, the Americans, and that this this might be playing some part in this Ukrainian uh, crisis at the moment. It's so hard to know what's really going on and why. I suppose the only thing we do know for certain is whatever is happening and why, it's ultimately going to serve this great reset agenda, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing. We know that. I think that goes without saying, Martin. Martin, the line is not great, so I'm going to move on, but I'm glad I got you on. Some really interesting points, mate. Thank you for that. Okay, thanks for your no, and uh, all that you do. Not at yeah. all, Martin. I don't do very much, mate. Thanks for that. I really appreciated Martin there. Really interesting call that about um, talking about the sunflower oil and how much of it is sold into Africa. So a, a very interesting program last week, or a news report. I can't remember which about possible famine in Africa on on a, a much bigger scale than anything we've seen in recent decades because. Uh, the breadbasket of Europe, more so than the world, Ukraine and Russia, but particularly Ukraine, obviously. Farmers not growing, not producing, not reaping, and the impact that's going to have on Africa as much as anywhere else. And then you think, well, if it does have such an impact on Africa, the obvious thing will be refugees leaving Africa in great numbers, greater numbers than ever before. And they will head, God love them, obviously, if they're starving with their children into Europe. And what else would they do? And what will happen then? It's exactly 16 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show for Thursday, March 31st, 2022. Probably got time for a couple of more calls. I think I've got James on the line. How are you doing, James? Hi there, how are you doing? Lovely to talk to you. Refresh my memory. Well, think we did speak did before. I don't think we did. Did we not? It's uh, No, I would say, I've always wanted to say it, but long time listener, first time caller. Ah, oh, thanks, James. Lovely. I, <laughs> I thought just because your name flashed up, but that's because you're on you're on the Skype. Yeah. You're very welcome. Whereabouts are you? Um, well, uh, it's a long story, but it's my first time back in England in 15 years. I've just come back because... Um, my mum passed away a couple of weeks ago, and I'm now um, in Warrington. You're in Warrington. I'm sorry yeah. to hear about your mum, James. Was she, was she, was she yeah. ill? She must have been ill, was she? she well, I would say it was uh, COVID-related depression, if, if anything else. She was uh, self-medicating, as uh, the Irish tend to do. Lockdown. Lockdown yeah. had a big impact on her. Yeah, because um, my dad is, has been in the care home for about five years or so, and uh, she wasn't allowed to visit. And uh, before all the, the, the bollocks kicked off, she was visiting six days a week. And then afterwards, uh, she literally had to stand outside in the cold, you know, outside the the, the door 
and uh, just talk to him through the glass window and stuff. So, um, yeah, it had a massive impact on her. And I think she just drank herself to death, um, to be honest. Oh, James, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And when so, you yeah, were... I wasn't I wasn't expecting it at all. So it's a big shock. But, um, yeah. And how are you coping? It. Have you got someone with you that can, you know, someone for you to lean on? Uh, look, we're all men and stuff, but this, this, this is tough stuff, this. Have you got somebody yeah. with you? Well, yeah, sort of. Um, so I've been living in Japan for 15 years, so my wife and daughter couldn't come uh, because it's the time to start um, junior school this week. So they couldn't come, but uh, my auntie just lives down the street, so, yeah, that, that's all That's all fine. She must be devastated too, your aunt. Yeah, yeah, much, well, much, well, I wouldn't say much worse than me, but she shows it a lot more than I do anyway. <laughs> yeah. And when you were talking to your mum on the phone from Japan, did you get a sense? Yeah. You got a sense of how much it was affecting her that she couldn't see her father? No, not at all. She was very kind of secretive about it. Um, we used to just talk on WhatsApp, WhatsApp all, all the time. And it was basically just um, just messaging, like text messaging rather than talking. But um, yeah, my auntie said, oh, she was hiding a lot from you. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of a kind of a sad story. I, I I don't um I don't know what to say to that because over the last two years so many people have come on to say yeah. that their father or mother or grandfather is in a care home and they can't get to see him and they expressed yeah. how difficult that was for them and yeah. and and, and uh, you know I listened to it and it meant something to me obviously it meant yeah. and you're sad for people but but it it hasn't happened to me I can't imagine what it must be like to be forced yeah. to wave at somebody through a window yeah and, and even in 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 the, the freezing cold you know like in the middle of january or whatever she wasn't allowed to come in but also my dad he had um a stroke essentially it was a bit more bit more than that but you you can't hear him from that sort of distance i went to see him today and i had to literally um put my ear to his mouth to understand what he was saying so when you're standing outside a window and trying to have a conversation it's just impossible but um, the thing, I haven't seen my dad probably for uh, maybe five years or so. And um, yeah, the nurses, well, the carers, if you want to say, um, they, they're totally on, you know, like our side kind of thing. You know, they, I had to take um, lateral flow tests um, every time I go. So I've only been back since Monday, but I've been twice now. And yeah, you have to stick the old the thing up your nose and that. And um they they told me they think it's pathetic, and they're uh, professional carers. But there but there isn't anything they can do. Can they not no. wave? They can't wave the test. There's no, there's channels, can't. right? There's channels, so you have to yeah. do it. So they think it's nonsense, and yet you've got they to go think through. It's nonsense, yeah. And how is and, um, how is your dad? Does he know that your mum has passed away? I told him on Monday, I got back to England on Sunday, went to visit him on Monday and uh, we spent about an hour just, you know, with small talk and that. And then I told him and uh, he was, you know, crying his eyes out for about half an hour. And um, so I left and said, all right, I'll be back in a couple of days, dad. And uh, I went to visit him today and he didn't mention it. So the nurses told me we think he's forgotten it. And uh, so now that the, the issue that they have is, um, do they want me to continually tell him, you know, every day? 
or do they just want to just let him be happy and just you know like ignorance uh you know ignorance is bliss kind of thing what do you think um well the funeral is on monday so we're going to bring him along to the funeral and i think if that doesn't let it sink in if that doesn't help him to to realize what's happened then i think i'll just tell them to just to just let him be happy and be not happy. know about it as sad as it as sad as it is I'm so but sorry they, for you, James, having to, to, to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, aside from, you know, obviously my personal sad story, I, I just wanted to tell you the pers- perspective from from Asia, from Japan anyway, um, because this whole thing hasn't affected me at all. In, you know, say two years or whatever that this, be- this has been going on, um, my life hasn't changed one bit. Um, Why is that? Is that because of the Japanese approach to it? Yeah, because the Japanese people always have worn masks since forever. You know, for 20 years, 30 years maybe, everybody wears a mask when they're on the train. Everyone wears a mask on the bus. And they don't uh, shake hands and they don't hug and all that kind of thing. So although the the, uh, statistics and the TV and the the media says, oh, God, 11,000 people have got it today or whatever, um, they didn't go crazy with the the lockdowns. We've never had a lockdown. Um, The only thing that happened was they would close bars and restaurants and stuff, or they would just impose different opening hours and they would ban um, alcohol. So you could go to a restaurant but you couldn't buy a beer. Madness. Yeah. And um, Ar- arbitrary is y- the word, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and until uh last month, the, I, I literally had no it, it literally had no impact on me whatsoever. But um about a month ago, my daughter is she's six now, and so she starts uh, the big school next week. But um, her nursery, um, two kids were tested positive, so they closed the nursery for a week. And uh, then they said, well, when the nursery reopens, you have to take a PCR test. So my daughter failed it. She got a positive result on the PCR test, so she had to take another week off. Um, But she had no symptoms whatsoever. She didn't have a runny nose or a cold or a cough or anything, but she had to take uh, basically two weeks off. And then um, last week, just before I left um, to come back home, there was like a graduation ceremony at the um, the nursery. And two kids then also didn't come to the graduation and they were uh, tested positive. So the nursery had to close again for another week. And uh, my wife is a midwife. And so her hospital said, um, you can't come back to work either. Jesus Christ. Even though she's had three jabs. And it's about to take the fourth. And I've had zero, by the way. <laughs> She's had three jabs. Yeah. What 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 impact do you think this is all speculation, obviously. Go on. What what impact do you think sending children home that are perfectly healthy, telling them no, you've got to stay off school, no, you can't come to yeah. graduation. What do you yeah. think that might be doing to the children? Oh may may well you know I, I had a lot of obviously I was in contact with the family members over here in in the old country, and they were telling me you know you you can't go out you can't go to the park you can't do this but I I just 
looked at my daughter and I know she's not sick and I just thought, fuck it, I'm not going to lock her in the house for, for three weeks on end. So we just went to the park when there was nobody there. So our house is literally op- opposite a park. So we can look through the window, right, there's no one there. Okay, let's go. So we just went to the park and played and played with a skipping rope and played tennis and stuff like that. But, yeah, I didn't agree with it. Um, I haven't agreed with it since the beginning. And uh, it caused a bit of grief with my wife and me because she's, uh, uh, you know, like a medical professional, but she's also a bit of a sucker and believes everything that she hears on the news. So we had plenty of arguments about it, but I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not locking our daughter up in, you know, you know, stick the stick YouTube on, give her a, a tablet and say, right, there you go. You got 12 hours to stay in home and watch some stupid TikTok videos or whatever. It so sounds, I, I just, it's, sorry, it's, it yeah. sounds like you found some resolution though, you and your wife, did you? You, you obviously yeah, amicably she, resolved it. Yeah, once she had her third jab and then um, there was talk of a fourth one, she basically said, I'm not taking the fourth one. Good. So she sort of came around to my thinking in the end. But, yeah, the only time she's been sick in uh, we've been married for 10 years, the only time she's ever been sick is after she had her second jab. Was it um, sore arm, nausea? Was it worse? Yeah, and also... um, uh, her period changed as well. And I don't want to be a, a misogynist here, but when she's got her period, she's an absolute animal, but she became even worse. <laughs> right. Was it interrupted yeah. her menstrual cycle or did it become heavier? It, it just, yeah, it became longer, became heavier longer. and longer. So, and uh, so many she women was like a that. bear with a sore head. So many women have said that. And yet, you know, according to the media, according to the government, nothing to see here. Yeah. move on and yet we've heard from even the Times reported on it thousands of yeah. women have said and uh, we know that people are dropping dead of heart attacks, I'm not going to say yeah. thousands of people are, but people are yeah. I don't want to say that now to worry you I mean, you know, your, no, your wife no, won't no. drop dead of a heart attack, please God but um, <laughs> the fact that she's stopping at, at three is good, Dr Anne McCloskey said on the yeah. programme the other evening you know, it's never too late to stop stop, don't yeah. keep taking him, you know James, just yeah. before um. Because I've, yeah. I've got two minutes before I go. Okay. I, I really do mean this. I don't know you, but I mean it. I agree yeah. with John Waters, the Irish journalist and writer, when he yeah. said that, that the people at the beginning in care homes who forced your mum and others into the indignity of waving through windows at their yeah. husbands, they should be taken out and horsewhipped. That's what he said, <laughs> and, I, and I agree yeah. with him. And I'm sorry about what happened to your mother, and I'm sorry for yeah. you. I really am. I don't know what to say. Yeah, well, the nurses, obviously, they they know what the score is. They know it's kind of bullshit. But, you know, it's it's kind of like if you have to go along with it if you want a job. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a case of if you really feel strongly enough about it, are you going to stand up to it or not? And I, I can understand that, you know, if you stand up to it, you might get fired and then how's your next, you know, where's your next paycheck coming from? So I can sort of understand it. And I, but the, the kind of sympathy that I saw from them this week sort of made me change my mind. I would have said the same as you. I would have said, take them outside and bloody whip them. But after hearing, you know, the pressure that they're under as well, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll sort of forgive you. It's very magnanimous. When is your mother being laid to rest? 
uh, this Monday. You'll give her a good send-off. I will, I will. Good luck She's with all a, that. a Fitzpatrick before she married my dad. And, and which part of Ireland does she come from, or did she come from? Uh, somewhere near Cork. I think, uh, I think it's Ballyhooley. Ballyhooley. So did she keep yeah. her accent, your mum? No, not at all. She didn't. <laughs> she she acclimatised. She didn't keep the accent. She did, yeah. Well, look, God love her and good luck to her on her onward journey. And thanks for sharing yeah. your story with us, mate. And, yeah, uh, thank you. Good luck to your daughter and to your wife. And stay in touch. Please do stay in touch. Thanks, yeah, James. Yeah, will do. All the best, mate. Bye for now. James there, who lives in Japan these days, has come home because um, his mother has passed away. Um, became... Um, became a bit of a heavy drinker because of the misery of lockdown and the misery of having to go and see her husband in a care home and not be, being allowed to see him and he's suffering from dementia and uh, we've heard so much of that in the last two years haven't we? That's it for the programme today thanks to all of our callers for calling in, every one of you, I really appreciate it I'll be back with you on Sunday morning for Sunday morning Melodies and then with you next Monday where Dr Vincent Carroll is among the guests next Monday evening on, on the show. Have a, a really good weekend wh wherever you happen to be in the world and take care of yourselves and one another. Thank you. Bye now.